Welcome to Kelly Dry's Full Spectrum Podcast, bringing together thought leaders in the technology, media, and telecommunications industries to discuss legal issues that are expected to impact today's organizations and tomorrow's marketplace. Kelly Dry Full Spectrum is produced twice monthly, and show notes are available at www.kellydryfullspectrum.com. For more in-depth commentary, head to our blog, comlawmonitor.com. All links are in the show notes. This podcast is produced by the Kelly Dry Communications Practice Group. Hello, and welcome to Kelly Dry's Full Spectrum Podcast. I'm Steve Augustino from the Communications Practice Group, and with me is Brad Courier, also from the Practice Group. Brad and I are going to go back and talk again about uh, one of our more uh, common topics here, FCC enforcement actions. Today's topic, though, deals with the most common enforcement item under Chairman Pai's leadership. And I'm going to guess a little bit on behalf of our listeners here as to what that topic might be. Um, Brad, you know, we've heard a lot. Robocalls are the number one item out there. Is it robocalls or spoofing? No, it's not. I mean, there's been some high profile and large amount fines that have been issued, but it's certainly not the most common. Okay. All right. How about slamming and cramming, an old standby? You know, there's been, like, it's been a perennial hit, but it's also been something they've been moving to recently, but uh, not a lot of actions until last couple of weeks. Okay. All right. Um, Universal Service Fund. We had a strike force and now we have a, a new, or we're going to have a new fraud division. Right. The strike force. Now it's the fraud division, but haven't seen items out of each of them fairly recently. Okay. So what is our topic then, Brad? LED sign enforcement, equipment marketing, and authorization. Okay. Well, let's get started then. All right. So in mid-February, the FCC issued an enforcement advisory warning marketers of LED signs that their products must be authorized, properly labeled, and contain the required user disclosures before being marketed in the United States. This enforcement advisory actually followed a slew of enforcement actions, some of which we're going to get into today, uh, over the course of 2018, totaling hundreds of thousands of dollars in penalties against importers, retailers, manufacturers of LED signs for violations of the FCC's equipment marketing rules. Now, in many cases, the targets of these enforcement actions claimed they did not know that their products were even subject to FCC's often complex equipment authorization and marketing procedures. So in this podcast, we're going to do a deep dive on the FCC's LED sign enforcement initiative, breaking down the agency's equipment authorization rules, how they apply to LED signs, and what importers, retailers, and others in the LED sign supply chain need to do now in order to avoid FCC enforcement action later. Okay. So why don't we get started then? Brad, why don't you provide us with an overview of the FCC's equipment marketing and authorization rules? Yeah, so the first thing to know is that the FCC's equipment marketing and authorization rules are broad. They apply not only to equipment retailers, but also to any entity that imports, distributes, or advertises equipment for sale or lease. Now, in practice, the Enforcement Bureau often works with third-party online retailers such as eBay or Amazon uh, to let them know if certain equipment hosted on their websites is unauthorized. Uh, the companies usually then take down the listings in response to such uh, uh, outreach. Right. But let's let's focus on the importers and the retailers themselves. Yeah, that's right. So importers and retailers of LED signs, and certainly consumers, may not actually be aware that their products actually fall under the FCC's equipment marketing and authorization jurisdiction. But importantly, the signs emit radio waves that can interfere with communication services, including public safety operations, and importantly, commercial wireless frequencies as well. 
The FCC therefore requires LED signs and other what they'll call unintentional radiators to be tested for compliance with its technical requirements in most instances prior to being marketed for sale. So Brad, let's then take a walk through the uh, authorization process and give me kind of a high-level overview of what that is. If I'm a marketer or if I'm a retailer, what am I going to have to do? Sure. So, you know, if the, the rules are also broad, the equipment authorization rules also are complex. Even after the agency streamlined and simplified the process for authorizing unintentional radiators like LED signs. So back in November of 2017, the FCC implemented rules which began to phase out two prior equipment authorization procedures. These were known as verification and declaration of conformity. And they replaced them with a new authorization procedure known as the supplier's declaration of conformity. Now, under this supplier declaration of conformity process, the party, the actual party, certifies that it tested the equipment for compliance with FCC technical standards. And this avoids the need to use the FCC's other available equipment authorization process for LED signs known as certification. And the issue with certification is that it actually involves submitting the equipment for testing by an FCC-approved lab, which often takes longer and often costs much more money than the supplier's declaration of conformity process. So, so, so the core thing there is I can test it myself and just certify that I'm within the ranges. That's right. As long as you're following the, the procedures that are set up by the FCC, you're the party that's doing the testing instead of the FCC-approved lab. Okay. So equipment authorized under this newish supplier declaration of conformity procedures must be uniquely identified. Uh, for example, it'll carry a label listing the trade name or the type or model number of the equipment. And that allows the end user and the FCC to trace back the product to the party responsible for the supplier's declaration of conformity. Now, importantly, once authorized by the FCC's rules under basically any of the available equipment authorization procedures, the equipment can be marketed so long as the party does not significantly modify the equipment or take other action that would necessitate basically new testing, new authorization. Okay. So each declaration, it's, it's basically per model, each model that I have. Mm, that's right. right. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. Now let's go and look at the enforcement initiative itself, right? The FCC, as we said, has been targeting LED sign marketers. Um, when did it start those investigations? Sure. So last year, and that's basically what we've been focusing on in 2018, the FCC settled 21 separate investigations involving the marketing of LED signs used in digital billboards for commercial or industrial applications without the required authorizations, labeling, or user manual disclosures. Now, of those 21, 13 of them involved entities that were both manufacturers and retailers of the LED signs, while the remainder... Um, uh, where entities were, that were just the retailers themselves. Um, the FCC doesn't focus on manufacturers alone, um, which is not really surprising to me and, and I imagine to you, because most of the manufacturers of these types of products are located in foreign countries, particularly China, which would complicate the enforcement process itself. Yeah, that's correct. And so drilling down a little bit more on the timing, the FCC issued the letters of inquiry, basically their version of how they kick off investigations, in July of 2017, and they pushed them out in approximately four batches. Now, the actual timing of the letters of inquiry doesn't appear to be related to the type of violation investigated or the type of the target in the investigation, you know, for example, these manufacturer retailers or whether or not they were retailers only. So they didn't kind of say, I'm going to go after manufacturers first and then expand it or 
or what? We don't know for sure, I guess. There's four waves here, but no, we that's not right. exactly how it was selected. And the violations highlighted in these settlements, you know, and the actual settlement amounts that these investigations ended up resulting in vary considerably across the four batches. So one, but I will point out one thing, which is that each of the manufacturers or retailers that were targeted for this initiative, they were all first-time violators. Now, normally the FCC must warn a party that doesn't hold an FCC license or other authorization that their actions violate the agency's rules before proposing a fine. But the difference here is that the FCC is not required to give warnings to entities that market devices that require an FCC equipment authorization in the first place. Essentially, if you do something that would have required a license or authorization, you don't get a free pass because you don't already have a license or authorization. So as a result, each of the targets paid a fine, even though they appeared not to know ahead of time the regulations, and quickly obtained the necessary authorizations after being contacted by the FCC. So in short, normally there are no free passes for first-time offenders of the equipment authorization rules. Also a reason why it pays, it's important then to know these rules and to pay attention to this information. Yeah, compliance needs to be built into the supply chain. Okay, so no warnings for first-time violators. I get that. Um, Let's then dig back into the advisory itself. It's clear that after these 21 actions, the FCC, I guess, doesn't think that they reached the whole universe of LED sign manufacturers because they came out with this new advisory. So why don't you, Brad, tell us what we really need to know about this particular enforcement advisory? Sure. So after a brief lull, which coincided with the partial federal government shutdown, the FCC renewed its focus on LED sign equipment marketing violations with the enforcement advisory, which was issued in mid-February. Now, the enforcement advisory reiterated the broad scope of the equipment marketing rules, which we talked about earlier. But the enforcement advisory also highlighted four key compliance requirements. So we'll go through each one of these. So first... Each LED sign panel must be tested for compliance with the FCC's rules. So accordingly, each panel that differs in design must be tested and authorized separately. And you can see the issue there with a LED sign that might be made up of multiple panels that require multiple authorizations. Second, each authorized LED sign panel must comply with all labeling requirements. And so, you know, those labor requirements go beyond sort of the scope of this podcast, but just to let you know, I mean, these are usually the unique identifiers that we talked about. There's a compliance information statement that can do that. If you go through certification, there might be an FCC-issued identifier. Right, but the point of the labeling is that the FCC can trace it back and identify, yes, this has been certified, this ha- is, in, is in compliance. Exactly. And so third, marketers of LED signs should retain all the records of uh, their compliance with the FCC's equipment authorization rules, such as copies of the test reports, you know, if they go through suppliers' declaration of conformity, basically showing that they did the testing, and the compliance statements. And fourth, and to your point about being able to trace it back, marketers of LED signs that rely on the supplier's declaration of conformity procedures must ensure that the party responsible for compliance with the FCC's marketing rules is located in the United States. And this allows the FCC to easily contact the appropriate party when the equipment was not subject to testing by an FCC-approved lab. All right. Right. Okay. So that that's going to lead to a number of tips. If I'm a manufacturer or a marketer of these signs, right? Um, what advice do you have for them as a result of this advisory? Right. So again, from at the, the highest level is that the enforcement advisory shows the importance of building equipment marketing compliance procedures into the supply chain. 
It's basically compliance by design. And LED sign manufacturers, importers, and retailers should ensure that their contracts with each other and any other suppliers uh, spell out that the FCC equipment authorization has been obtained or will be obtained, depending on who's doing it, and which entity is responsible for obtaining such authorization. Right. I think that last part is really important. You need to know who's responsible. And you need to be able to take action if someone falls down on the right. job in that part. And so entities farther down in the LED sign supply chain that depend upon other entities sort of up the stream, you know, should ensure that their contracts contain clear and comprehensive indemnification provisions allowing recovery in the event that the equipment ends up being unauthorized or there's some other problem. Right. I'm a, I'm a marketer. I should ask my manufacturer to certify it's in compliance and indemnify me if it's not. Basically, if you're not doing it yourself, if you're not the holder of the authorization from the FCC, there needs to be something built into your supply chain or dealings with others that uh, lets you know who is responsible. Right. Okay. All right. Any other advice? Yeah. So the FCC is clearly receptive to investigating complaints related to unauthorized marketing of LED signs. As you said, they don't feel like they've covered the whole universe yet. That's what's leading to the enforcement advisory. So any marketers or manufacturers that are out there that you know playing by the rules should consider whether filing an FCC complaint can help level the playing field out there. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, these are coming from complaints, it sure, certainly seems. Um, okay. So then let's, just as a reminder here, let's walk through some of the penalties that are out there. If I'm a manufacturer, if I'm a, a, a marketer of this, what's my potential liability for not having properly authorized my equipment? Right. So helpfully, the FCC actually spelled that out in the enforcement advisory, and it cautioned that parties marketing non-compliant LED signs may be subject to penalties of over $20,000 per day for individual violations and over $150,000 for what's known as continuing violations, basically things that go on for more than a couple of days, course of dealing. And then you can see how that can already start applying to marketing issues. And we'll right. dig into that. So as equipment marketing violations often involve online advertisements or other ongoing retail activities, violations could quickly pile up to reach the maximum fine. So in addition, the FCC has taken this per-model approach to equipment authorization violations, which assesses penalties for each piece of unauthorized equipment, even when the pieces may be marketed together. And that goes back to that each panel that differs in design needs to be authorized separately. So as a result, equipment marketing violations can lead to significant fines and the stranding of unauthorized uh, uh, you know, inventory. And a lot of people sort of forget that. It's not just the fine you're going to pay to the Enforcement Bureau. You also then maybe have a warehouse full of equipment that either all needs to be authorized or, worst case scenario, can't be authorized and therefore is just wasted. Right, and it can't be sold here. Right, so for the 21 LED sign equipment marketing cases you know, we've been discussing, the settlement payments range from a low of about $14,000 to a high of about $115,000 with a wide distribution in between. But importantly, none of them are hitting the maximum. And that shows basically the, the, the working out that happens when you enter into these types of settlement discussions. Now, the average settlement payment is approximately $40,000 which is about two times that maximum per day that we just discussed. And they didn't vary considerably whether the target was a manufacturer and retailer or just a retailer. Um, so although the settlements themselves provide little information regarding the violations that were investigated by the Enforcement Bureau, the failure to obtain prior equipment authorization for LED signs 
ended up resulting in larger settlement payments than failures to just comply with the FCC's equipment labeling and user manual disclosure rules. So authorization is key, and the other violations sort of flow from that. Right. Yeah, and that's not surprising. The other comment I would have on this is often the FCC you know, we'll stake this out with initial fines. And then later when people should know and when the fact of all this enforcement is is clearer, the fines tend to increase even for the same activity. Well, and an important point to make there is that they might be less willing to engage in these settlement discussions going forward because now they've set the marker that, okay, everyone should know what the story is now. Right, right. Okay. All right. So let me just last couple of points here on this, right? The first thing, we've been talking about manufacturers and marketers of the equipment. Um, does this impact the purchasers or users of LED signs? Right. So the FCC is currently focused on only those marketing and manufacturing, retailing, all of that LED signs. So that covers, you know, like we just said, this broad scope of people in the supply chain and in the retail chain. But the FCC's LED sign enforcement mission is not focused on purchasers or end users of LED signs. And these consumers normally don't face liability on the FCC's equipment marketing and authorization rules. However, to the extent that an LED sign interferes with licensed communications, we mentioned public safety and commercial wireless earlier, FCC field agents may request the end user to stop using the equipment. If the user refuses to stop operations, then he or she may face a fine for intentional interference, but usually a warning is enough to end the issue. Right, right. Okay. All right. Any last uh, bits of advice then for companies that are involved in manufacturing, marketing LED signs? Well, it's to underline a point that we've made throughout this podcast, which is the FCC often uses enforcement advisories to set the stage for future enforcement action, and the agency appears poised to move forward with another wave of enforcement actions in the coming months. So it's therefore critical that all companies assess their equipment marketing compliance procedures now in order to avoid commission enforcement later. In particular, LED sign manufacturers and retailers should contact experienced counsel to determine how to comply with these often complex rules. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Brad, for that very comprehensive overview. Um, we appreciate you all listening to this. This is the end of this podcast. We hope that you'll continue to follow Kelly Dry as we address other topics on our Full Spectrum series. The views and ideas expressed on this program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or ideas held by Kelly Dry and Warren LLP, its staff, or management.